Jesus House, In Pursuit of God, Discovering Purpose, Maximizing Potential, Impacting Lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father and our God, tonight we come before you and we ask in simple faith. But as we come before you, that your name is glorified. We pray, O Lord, that you open your word to us and we yield totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We do not take lightly that which you intend to do tonight. We know you have an intricate, well-laid, many-sided plan. And we ask you to fulfill it to its maximum. Let the zenith of your ability be released into our lives. And we just give you praise, honor, glory, and adoration in Jesus' most holy name. Father, we join our faith with all those who join and all those who are joining online. We are extremely grateful that you have done so. And we pray that tonight is a night that we remember forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, everybody. And so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, as we continue, we're going to do something that um the holy spirit has just laid on our hearts and it's going to be quite um interesting and as we heard on sunday we are in a season of transition and we're and it's interesting we've been speaking about that for weeks and so we're very it was very very exciting to hear pastor Agus speak about it on sunday um at the fresh fire prayer meeting it was absolutely quite remarkable and so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to speak about prayer. The reason There's a reason that we're going to speak about prayer, as you will hear tonight. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw um, our first Bible reading, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a look um, at the book of Luke, chapter 11. And we're going to read from one. We're going to read from one. And we may stop at about 13. That's Luke 11, 1 to 13. And so if you could turn in your Bibles, I will read in the King James Version of the Bible to start. I more than likely will change as we go on. And Luke 11, verse 1, and this is what we're speaking about. And we're speaking about an element of prayer that existed in Jesus's life that made his prayer life so successful that his disciples it's the one thing you find in the gospels apart from them asking increase our faith you know show us the father which way should we go but they asked him to teach them one thing and it was teach us how to pray and there's a reason for it and so let's look at where they asked him and let's look at luke 11 and i'm going to read from verse 1 like i said i will i may read to verse 13 Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I'm going to read on to verse 13 to give us the context, because Jesus keeps speaking. And the Bible says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And I'll stop reading there. There are lots of things to look at as we go on. And the first thing is this, verse 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as he was praying, the disciples were watching him. And it wasn't that they were watching what he was doing. They had seen the impact and the effect of his prayer life. And ladies and gentlemen, what did they do? They said, teach us to pray. That means there's something about your prayer life that we want. And it's results when this is what Jesus said of himself. And they said, teach us how to pray. And this is the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. Um, this is the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. He did not hold back anything that he had. He shared with us. Prayer life is one of the things he shared in two or three key places. He explains prayer. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the first thing I want you to realize as we talk about prayer tonight, and this is, I would encourage you that if your prayer life is struggling, I pray by the end of today, that by the end of today's session, you will have the confidence to pray to God for absolutely anything. And this is what Jesus, this is what Jesus did. And he said, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And so they had seen how successful his prayer life was. And this is what he tells them. And in the prayer he teaches them is the secret to answered prayer. When I say secret, he, he shares with them something that they don't realize. And we can, we'll see it later in, as we go on today. Listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus said, and he said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. Now pause for a moment. What that means is you acknowledge that your life and the experiences of your life are not necessarily your own. You acknowledge that there is a father, you have a father 
you have God who is in absolute control. And so Jesus says, there is a reference point for all our prayers, and that is heaven. If it's established in heaven, if it's a reality in heaven, then that's where we're going. And he starts out the prayers with our father, and we'll go through that a little bit today. The first thing you realize about that he teaches us about prayer is that prayer is founded on a relationship that no man can break. And that relationship is with God, your father. You are not praying to an angry deity. You are praying to God, your father, who actually wants you to have everything he has. And so that's the first thing Jesus says, pray. He says, our father, which art in heaven, but there's, we'll come into the key. The second thing he says, hallowed be thy name. Now, when the Bible says, hallowed be thy name, this is, this is, this is just the packaging of what we're going to talk about tonight. When the Bible says, hallowed be thy name, he says, this is key. Whatever I am about to ask for, you, O Lord, are already famous for. But also, that means what I am about to ask you to do is something that you have revealed to us that you want to do. This is, and so when he says, hallowed be thy name, That means as I come to you, O Lord, I settle before I start that you are my healer, my shepherd, my guide, my righteousness, my standing, the glory. You are the lifter of my head. And he says, hallowed be your name. May your name in this circumstance, whatever you say, may it be kept holy. That means in all the things that I ask of you, whatever comes next, may you be seen as God. May your name be kept holy. That's that's what he says. Then he says something else, and this is key. And he's you'll notice as we put it all in perspective, I'll stop in a moment and I'll bring it in. He says, thy kingdom come. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking, the Bible says in, let me read it to you, in Romans chapter 14, and I'm going to read verse 17. Jesus said, thy kingdom come. And the Bible says the following about Romans 14, verse 17. The Bible says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That means, ladies and gentlemen, when God wants to ensure something is done, he sends in the kingdom of God. That means the Holy Spirit gets involved. That means the right standing, the righteousness of God. That means the things that God has promised where he says, I will do this because it is right and because I am God. The Bible says that when he wants to make sure something happens, he insists. It says righteousness, peace, and joy. When we say peace, and this is the beautiful thing, when the kingdom of God comes in, that means let things happen the way God has determined them to happen. And then he says joy. And joy, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus speaks about joy, he does so in John chapter 16. And I'll just refer to it very quickly, John chapter 16. And I'm going to read verses 24. John chapter 16, verse 24. This is joy. 
up to this time, you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all that I am. But now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy, gladness, delight may be full and complete. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus says, thy kingdom come and the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace and joy. We realize when Jesus is speaking about joy, it is where what God promises you becomes a reality. What God assures you of becomes a reality. Let me just pop that into the chat for you. So that's John chapter 16, reading from verses 24. That And we were also reading Romans 14 at verse 17. Okay. And so ladies and gentlemen, Jesus says, joy. And he says, thy kingdom come. So when the Bible says, speaks about the kingdom of God, the Bible says it's not in meat and drink. It is in righteousness, peace, and joy. And all of those things are in the Holy Ghost. That means if the Holy Ghost is present and he's ready to make it happen, he's ready to ensure that the righteousness of God stands. He's ready to ensure that the peace of God stands. That means things will be the way God wants them to be. The word peace there is shalom. And when we say shalom, that means nothing missing, nothing broken. When the Bible says joy, it means what God has promised becomes a reality. The fullness of joy is that that which you expect of God becomes a reality to you. And the Bible says this is the kingdom of God as enforced by the person of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says in, in his prayers, he said, thy kingdom come. Then he makes a statement. He says, thy will be done as in heaven so in earth. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before I go on, notice what Jesus does when he starts his prayers. He submits himself to say, God, before I ask for my most dire requirement, I submit myself to you so that what I am about to ask you for is what you have in mind to do. I come, I and notice what Jesus does is, and this is the beautiful thing. He submits to God that God, the way you want this thing to turn out is the way I am happy for it to turn out because I trust you. And notice this is the key in Jesus's prayer life. He consistently says, I will only ask, demand, or do what God has already shown me that he wants to do. And Jesus says, whatsoever I ask for. And he says that, God, you hear me always. And we're going to look at that in a moment. But the key element I would like you to, to pick up this evening, ladies and gentlemen, is this, that when Jesus came into the place of prayer, when he said, this is how I pray, the first half of his prayers are submission to the Lord. Then he says to God, 
give us this day our daily bread. Meaning, no matter what I'm asking you for, Lord, I trust you that you will only give me the things that I really need, the things that you have determined for me to have so that I can fulfill your will as I go through the day. Then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Basically saying, Lord, you order my steps. You guide my paths. You determine what I confront. You determine what I run into. And what we begin to realize is the thread that runs through the Lord's prayer, which is how Jesus prays. And we're going to explain why that's the case in a moment is the thing that runs through his prayers is submission. He says, you are God. And in this matter, I will pray what you want to do. Listen to what Jesus says of his prayer life in John chapter 11. And then we'll begin to break a few things down. We will come back to Luke 11 because there's something else I want us to learn. And that's the first, the first thing he teaches them. But when he teaches them that, he doesn't leave them. So let's just quickly look at what Jesus says about his prayer life. And we'll come back to John 11 and look at the second part of what he says. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to John chapter 11. We're going to pick up the narrative from verse 39, where Jesus says, take away the stone. So let me put that in the chat for you. John chapter 11, and we're going to pick up the narrative from verse 39, and we will stop at verse 44. This is what Jesus says of his prayer life publicly. Verse 39 of John 11. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, exclaimed, but Lord, by this time he is decaying and throws off an offensive odor for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you and promise you that if you would believe and rely on me, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42. Yes, I know you always hear and listen to me, but I have said this on account of and for the benefit of the people standing around so that they may believe that you did send me, that you have made me your messenger. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand, Jesus said, Father, whenever I pray, I know that you hear me. He said, I know you do. So that means Jesus is saying that when he prays, he is sure that God hears him. And the reason that is, we've looked at the first part. The reason that is, is because Jesus submitted his prayer life to saying, God, I'm only going to ask for something that you want done. And we're going to look at that in two or three areas, ladies and gentlemen. But then there's a second part. So Jesus, so this is, so ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think about it. If it is your desire, and please hear me well, we are going to need our prayer life at a level like we've never needed it 
ever before. And not just praying whereby we are praying and we walk away feeling great. No, we are saying when we pray that there are results and Jesus promises it. And so we're going to come and have a look at that. But in this season, ladies and gentlemen, your prayer life is central. It is critical. And the ingredient Jesus had in his prayer life that made it so successful was submission. He consistently submitted tensions of God so that when he articulated something in the place of prayer, God was openly willing to answer him and give him what he wants. In the very same way, God is going to do exactly the same for you. And that's what we want to get through tonight. Jesus said, this is how I pray. So he's, 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 he's revealed it. This is how I do it. And so let's, as we go through tonight, let's look at the different elements of Jesus's prayer life. The next thing we see, so the first part is the Lord's Prayer, which I encourage you to pray every single day. Please pray that prayer daily. Verse five of Luke 11. So come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. Luke 11 from verse five, and I'll stop at verse 13. And Jesus does not leave his disciples in any doubt. He tells them, this is how I pray. But then he tells them, this is why I pray like that. Listen to what he says. He begins to explain to them that God is so on their side that their prayers are valuable beyond words. He says this, remember, listen, listen to, the, listen to the, the, the circumstance. He says, Luke 11, verse 5, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Verse 6, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Pause. Jesus uses a word I please don't ever forget when you come into the place of prayer. And it is this. You are coming to your friend. Now, the word friend in the Bible, when you see the word friend, it has a few elements to it. One of them is friendship where where you see friendship where god says this is my friend covenant is always involved in that this has gone beyond the element of whether i want to respond or whether i should respond i'm going to respond because we are in covenant so when the bible calls abraham his friend notice time and time again the lord refers to his friendship and it moves him to action and i say this carefully and very respectfully whether he wants to or not by virtue of the fact that his friend is involved okay and so jesus says the example he wants you to give is that this is a discussion between two friends so there's an element of covenant. There's an element where they are so committed to one another that this person can come and find him in the middle of the night when he's really stuck. There's no embarrassment. There's nothing restraining them. And I want you to realize he's trying to show you this is what God is to you. And then he says, a friend of mine has come. That means I don't just have a need. 
I have a need for someone we are all connected to. So when you're praying for your loved ones, you're praying for your children, you're praying for your boss, you're praying for your job, you're praying for a healing, you're praying to get married, you're praying for guidance. What Jesus is saying is it matters to you, but it also matters to God. And he said, when you come in the place of prayer, and this is what he's trying to get across to us, that you can trust that God is as committed to you as you are to him, but he is more so. And listen to what Jesus says. He said, verse seven, and he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed and I cannot rise and give me. Jesus says, on the contrary, I say unto you that though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, but because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed, because he will realize you wouldn't be at my door unless it was really serious. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand. The almighty God knows that if you have come to him in the place of prayer, it's serious. The Bible says he gives it to him and Jesus keeps going. Jesus says, verse nine, and he then says, this is why I am confident to pray the way I pray. He says, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Pause. None of those circumstances indicate that you are asking, seeking, or knocking for someone you don't know, something you can't find, or something that's an intangible. You're knocking, there's a door. If you're seeking for something, you have to know what you're looking for. At best, it's God. The details really don't matter. It's that, what are you looking for? I'm looking for God to come through. And then he says, ask. When you're asking God for something, and notice how Jesus prayed. He said, God, this is who you are. So I know what you have got. And I'm asking you to do this on my behalf. And this is why he was confident to submit himself to say, God, I will only pray what you want me to pray because you can be trusted. And then Jesus gives a example that is memorable. And he says the following. He says, if a son shall ask bread of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he give, offer him a scorpion? He drives home the point that, listen, you look at your own life. If your children ask you for something, you don't give them something that will harm them or something they can't use or something that they will not need. He's trying to reassure you that prayer is God's idea. Ever you are urged to pray for something, know for a fact that God is drawing you to himself because he already wants to give it to you. And we're going to come to that in a moment. 
And that's what he's trying to explain, that when you come into the place of prayer, you can say to the Lord, let your will be done. That however this cookie crumbles, I'm good. Why? Because you are trustworthy. That Lord, this is what I need. This is what I'm asking for. I am very specific, but I trust you. And the Bible says that when Jesus prayed like that, and whenever God responded or gave him an instruction, the Bible says his prayer life was legendary, as yours will become legendary. Because Jesus said, this is how to do it. And look at verse 13. And Jesus summarizes and he says this. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, that means if, you, if your children need something, you'll give them a good gift. He then makes a statement. How much more will the your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? The greatest gift God has given you and I is for the Holy Spirit to live on our inside with us for all eternity. So that, and, and it's it's the greatest thing. It's the successful outcome of your salvation in that the Holy Spirit now lives on your inside and our relationship with God is fully restored as it was in the beginning. And he said, God will do that on the back of prayer. And so ladies and gentlemen, as we come into to look at Jesus's prayer life, Notice what I said. It He consistently submitted that God, what you want done, I want done. You show me, I'll pray. And that takes confidence and that takes faith. Over the last few weeks, we've had the opportunity to ask God for many things. And many times the Holy Spirit has led us to pray prayers to say, pray like this pray this scripture, pray like that, for some incredible things. I can comfortably tell you there is not a prayer point that we laid before God that he did not answer. It was scary. The accuracy where the Holy Spirit will say, pray for this now, pray for this now, pray for this now, pray this scripture. And each time the results will be quite remarkable. And that's what Jesus wants you to have. So let's look at the components of that, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get us look at some more details. So turn with me to John chapter five. John chapter five, and we're going to read from verse nineteen, and we're going to stop at verse twenty. Let me put that in the chat for you, ladies and gentlemen. John chapter 5, and we're going to read from 19 to 20. And the Bible says the following. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for whatsoever things he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Let me read those verses to you in the Bible in basic English. So Jesus made answer and said, truly, I say unto you, 
The son is not able to do anything himself. He is able to do only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does it in the same way. For the father has love for the son and lets him see everything which he does. And he will let him see greater works than these that you may be full of wonder. So ladies and gentlemen, notice what Jesus said. The key element of his prayer life is that he prays when he goes into the place of prayer, as much as he's praying for something to happen, he's asking God, show me what you're doing. What do you want to do in this situation? The Bible says that whenever that happens, Jesus then prays, declares, or acts based upon what he sees his father do and his prayer life was running on 100%. To use an American phrase, he was batting at 1,000%. Perfect. No breaks. Every prayer he prayed was answered. The same grace has been given to you and I. And this is what I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, today. I, I, why am I going down this road? Because somebody's prayer life has to change because their life hinges on it. What comes next hinges on it. Come with me to John chapter 16. We're going to read John chapter 16 from verse 13. Jesus is speaking to you and I, and he says the following. He says, however, when he, the spirit, uh, let me read that. Um, I'll read it in the Bible in basic English first, and then I'll go back to the others. The Bible says, however, when he, the spirit of true knowledge has come, he will be your guide into all true knowledge. For his words will not come from himself, but whatever has come to his hearing, that he will say, and he will make clear to you the things to come. Ladies and gentlemen, let me be very clear. When the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart, and this is the beauty of praying in tongues, spending time in worship, stopping until you hear the nudge, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the more you trust that nudge, the more you'll hear him. In the place of prayer, when you're coming into the place of prayer, as even when you are absolutely desperate, that you need something to happen right now. Ladies and gentlemen, be submitted to say, God, I know you've got this. I know you're in control. Show me how I should pray. And he will open the word to you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what the father says wants done or how it is to be done jesus said that was the key that made his life so successful that i will only do what the father wants me to do and that's a level of submission that we all need to walk in so when you come into the place of prayer and you're saying, okay, God, so what do I pray for? Ask the Holy Spirit and he will reveal to you that pray this scripture, pray at this time, say these words, take this action, 
give this gift because God wants to give you more than you are than you want to ask for it. And so Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will give you that which I have, because he will enable you to see what God sees concerning what you're going through. And the key element of submission is trust. And ladies and gentlemen, I want, this is what I want to drive home. There are two parts to it. The first part is how. The second, why? The how of it is whenever the Holy Ghost told Jesus, this is how you should pray. This is what you should do. This is how you should do it. He did it. Why? Because he trusted the Father. The second part is that, ladies and gentlemen, God can be trusted. He is not out to hold back from you what you want the most. And so let me put that in a scripture for you. And then I'll, I'll keep going. Psalm 84 verse 11 is a definitive statement. Psalm 84, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible first. Psalm 84 verse 11. Let's, we're going to look at three scriptures. The Bible says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor and future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Pause for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, because you are in Jesus Christ, you are walking uprightly. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says so. The Bible says that you have now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So listen to me very carefully. That means when you come into the place of prayer, the Bible says God is not withholding any good thing from you. So you can trust him to say, God, how do I pray about this? How do I do this? What should I do? Trust him. Pray what he tells you to pray. Pray when he tells you to pray. Pray how he tells you to pray. Because God is not against you. He is for you. Turn in your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, please, to Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Matthew 6, verse 8. Let's drive something home. Someone needs to know this. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm very humbled tonight. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. The Bible says the following. Be not ye therefore like them. Jesus speaking about prayer. For your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Let me read verse 7 to give you context. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Ladies and gentlemen, if God knows you have a need, he's not withholding it from you. The same way you wouldn't withhold food from a crying child just to teach them character. I mean, that's what we call child abuse. It's not the case. God loves you. That means, and listen to me very carefully, this is what I want to drive home. 
God can be trusted. So when you come into the place of prayer, let the Lord guide your prayers. It's an act of faith. It is where you say, God, I trust you. I yield to you. I know I'm, I need a miracle, but I yield to you. It will work out the way you say it will work out. And that's how Jesus prayed. And I'm going to give you an example. Um, there are two examples. That I'm, and I'm going to give you two examples of what that looks like. And hopefully it will help somebody. The third scripture I want to look at in this, so we can drive home this point, that God is not against you. Turn to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to pick up the narrative. Okay. Romans 8 verse 31. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say this and let me... And I say this carefully, let me insult your intelligence. The Bible is true. If God places something in the Bible, then he wants you to ask for it, to seek it, to knock for it. If he didn't want you to ask or look for it, he wouldn't have put it in the Bible. Listen to what the Bible says, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. The Bible says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Then the Bible said, not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely do what? Give us all things. Pause for a moment. As you come into the place of prayer, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I plead with you, trust God. There's one thing that you can be assured of, no matter how dire the situation, God is on your side. That God is on your side. He's not out to harm you. And Jesus knew this. So Jesus could trust God and say, I'm willing to lay my life down simply because you promised it. I'm willing, oh Lord, to lay my life down so everybody, the price of sin can be paid. And I will do so because I love you and because you promised me so, and I trust you. Ladies and gentlemen, as you come into the place of prayer, when we say the element of submission is central to the um, central to successful prayer, trusting God is key. God is not out to harm you, irrespective of what your circumstances are saying. God is on your side. And the Bible says, that that's how Jesus prayed. When he came to God, he, he prayed like that. And so you can trust him. And ladies and gentlemen, so when you come into the place of prayer, you can submit to the Lord and say, Lord, you know how this should be prayed. I'm going to sit quietly. I'm going to be still. You tell me which way to go. The difference in your prayer life will actually be quite shocking. This is 
when you if when you're listening to Dr. Onuzo preach and he speaks about this, he calls this the blank sheet prayer that I'm coming, Lord, with a blank sheet. You tell me how you want me to pray for this matter. And the Bible says when you do so, you move into a different realm of ability and power. How do you want me to pray like this? So two scriptures I want to put together for you, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I really pray this helps somebody's prayer life. I want you to be encouraged to pray, especially for, oh, how can I put this so it sounds sincere? We're talking crazy faith prayers. Prayers that are big enough for God to answer. Those kind of prayers. Turning your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen. As we look at this subject, I want you to please keep this in mind. Please, 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 please keep this in mind. This is how Jesus prayed. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to pick up the narrative from 9. And I'm going to stop at verse 12. The Bible says the following. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. The Bible then says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Pause for a moment. That means the Holy Spirit has access to all that the Father has in his heart. And God is not limited by time. That means what you are asking for is already a reality in your Father. That's why the Bible says in that famous verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Hebrews 11 verse 1. Let me get there. I'm just going to pull that up. Hebrews 11 verse 1. I could quote it, but I won't. Um, I, I'll, I'll just keep reading for accuracy. The Bible says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, is that what you're asking God for is invisible, but it is not non-existent. It's real. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit not only knows what is in the heart of God, but he knows how God wants to get you there. He gets the directions. He gets instructions. He gets the details. He also has the secrets. So he knows where the attacks are going to come from. He knows how to make sure that you are at the right place at the right time. So you get the job and the other 450 applicants don't. He knows to make sure you get on the right bus. So you're sitting next to the right person that changes your life forever. He makes sure that you join the that particular workers group with that particular person and then from that chance meeting 
quote unquote, he shapes a family that changes the world. Listen to me very carefully. The Holy Spirit is your guide. He's your teacher. He's the one that wants to show you this is on the heart of God. And he's central to your prayer life. And when you ask him, how should I pray? The Bible says you are then able to pray what is on the mind of God and it changes everything. And I'll show you in a moment. Let's get through this, this verse and then we'll go to Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says, but God hath verse, um, that this is 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. That means God wants to show you what's on his heart. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Verse 12. Now, please listen to this verse. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So, ladies and gentlemen, pause. If you ask the Holy Spirit first, it will save you a lifetime of agony because it's like God. So think about it. There are millions of people that you could marry, but you want to know, God, which one are we talking about? And the Bible says it is God's desire to show you. It is God's desire to tell you. It is God's desire to tell you which job to apply for, when to hold on, when to move forward, when to change teams, when to be kind, when to stay with a job rather than chase a salary. Listen to me very carefully. And this is what was the strength of Jesus's prayer. He did what was in the heart of God and the results were amazing so when you come into the place of prayer and you stop and say god you know what and this is what the bible says in in psalm 46 really from verse 10 where he says be still and know that i am god it is stop for a moment stop the noise God wants you to pass the exam more than you want to pass the exam. God wants you to get the breakthrough more than you want to get the breakthrough. But he says, just stop for a moment. Turn the noise down. Be brave enough to trust me to tell you what to do next. And the Bible says, notice, that's how Jesus functioned. When you look at some of the examples of Jesus's acts of obedience, when he was speaking to the, the Syrophoenician woman who had a, a demonized daughter, first two times she spoke to him, Jesus said nothing. And when he did speak, he said, listen, let me explain the way it is. I can't go outside my remit. And he then just stopped talking. She went on. He didn't say a word until heaven said, give her what she wants. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's how Jesus functioned. 
That's how Jesus operated. He will come to a place. He came to a place at Bethesda. Bethesda had at least 5,000 sick people. God sent him to one. That's trust. Ladies and gentlemen, as you come into the place of prayer, when you pause, turn the noise down and say, God, I trust you. I'm just going to stop for a moment and I'm going to listen. You can worship if you want to. You can pray in tongues if you want to. You can read if you want to. You can read stories if you want to. You can read success stories in the Bible if you want to, but make sure you're listening. Let your heart be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit says, go this way. The difference between life and death sits in that quiet place. And Jesus would always go and find it. Notice what the Bible says in Mark 1. Let me just use this and then we'll go to Matthew 16. Mark chapter 1. And the Bible says. Verse 35, Mark 1, 35. Jesus has had amazing time of ministry. Notice what he does. The Bible says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Why? He needed quiet. That let the noise of everybody's adulation go down. Let the testimonies go down. Let the people tell him, no, I just, I need the world to stop for a moment so I can hear my father. Ladies and gentlemen, that was how Jesus prayed. He would always find a quiet place. He will climb mountains. He would, and notice, he would just find a spot where it's just him and God. This is what I'm asking you to do. Take a moment as you come into the place of prayer and just submit and say, God, no matter how dire this is, things are going to work out the way you want them to work out. And I come alongside you. Show me what to do. Show me what to say. But most importantly, show me how to pray. Turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 16. Let's look at our last example. And I will read this in the Amplified Bible. Matthew 16, we'll pick up the narrative from verse 15. We'll pick up the narrative from verse 15. And this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus said, he said to them, but who do yourselves say that I am? I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Version. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus answered him, blessed Happy, fortunate, and to be envied are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. Men have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Revelation puts you in a completely different position. Revelation puts you in a completely different position. Verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, Greek Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, Greek Petra, a huge rock like Gibraltar, 
I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. Listen very carefully. Then he says to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven listen to me very carefully please ladies and gentlemen the key to a successful prayer life is determining what god has already made a reality in heaven how did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? He said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said, your kingdom, your, sorry, your kingdom come, your will be done. As it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. Badger's paraphrase. So what you begin to understand, ladies and gentlemen, he's trying to tell us that if you can work out that this is already a reality in heaven, heaven then you can force the earth to respond when you declare this in faith and this is what i want you to understand this is what jesus had he had that moment of quiet moment of quiet where he would say god what do you want to do and that's why he, when he sent the holy spirit to us he said he will teach you what? All things. He will lead you into all truth. So when you come into the place of prayer, you can declare confidently that this is what God wants to do. This is how God wants it to go. This is the word of God that God wants me to declare. And I'm going to declare it and then I'm going to walk in it. And ladies and gentlemen, Please hear me well. When that becomes the foundation of your prayer life, you will be able to say at the end of the day, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when the key element of answered prayer is that God hears you. When you present to God what he already has in his heart, the Bible says, when you speak that in the place of prayer, everything around you will line up because you are at that point not speaking your own words, you are speaking the words of your father. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as you come into the place of prayer in this season, as we begin to come to the end of the year, but most to come into seasons of transition where God is introducing the new, he wants your prayer life to become the hinge pin around which the circumstances turn. How does he do that? He's placed the Holy Spirit in your heart. As you read your Bible, 
as you listen to podcasts, as you listen to tapes, as you rewatch services, as you spend time singing, as you spend time with the Holy Ghost, as you spend time, I mean, taking care of the children and just talking to God. Listen to me very carefully. The Bible says he will reveal to you how to pray, what to pray, when to pray. The results will be what Jesus said in John chapter 14, reading from verse 14, that the Father will be glorified in the Son. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I commit you into the hands of the Lord tonight. I join my faith with anybody who's believing God for a miracle. And my prayer is that your prayer life will now have within it that secret ingredient of submission, allowing you to be able to say at the end of the day, Father, I thank you because you hear me always as you walk into your marriage, as you walk into your new job, as you walk into your healing, as you walk into your breakthrough, as God gives you strength in a trial, as God causes a tragedy to turn around to glorify his name, as God causes the plans and purposes of God to become a reality, may it be that you are able to say, Father, thank you because you heard me always. Ladies and gentlemen, we're out of time for tonight. We'll continue on an we, we may not touch this subject next week. Depends on what the Holy Ghost wants. But this mattered to somebody. And if you're believing God for a miracle, then we join our faith with yours. Have the best week you can. We wish you the very, very, very best. May God bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful week.